Hello, this is Haley, and this is another episode of Straight Talk with the Doc, the podcast that takes a real look at addiction, mental health, and treatment. I'm joined by our content director, Jeff, and of course, our medical director, Dr. Bot. How are you two doing? I'm doing just good today, Haley. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. So in previous episodes, we've talked a lot about different substances, addictions, mental illnesses, and how professional treatment can help. But today I want to look at it from the angle of someone who's made that decision to seek treatment. They're ready to go to rehab and get the help that they deserve. But if you just do an internet search for rehab, there are millions of results. There are so many options, so many facilities that offer different things. So Dr. Bott, as someone in this field, I want to ask you today, how does somebody find the right rehab? You know, what types of things should they take into consideration before making their decision? Yeah, I think it can be complex if you overthink it, but the first part is to to look. You know, as you mentioned, if somebody's ready, um, the best step is to start researching and looking online. Obviously, we have websites like our own addictioncenter.com that can offer a wide variety of treatment centers based on location and uh, services offered. But essentially, you know, first you need to look at if you are looking for something proximal, closer to you, if there's specialized um, programming that you'd like to address, if the substances of abuse that you're using are specifically, um, you know, tailored to within that program. So there's multiple nuances within a treatment center that somebody can look at just that you have to match it up based on what you're looking for. Okay. And so are there different facilities and different rehabs for different substances? You know, like, are there ones that focus on alcoholism and others that focus on, you know, cocaine, for example? Most treatment centers around the United States, they tend to have a, they tend to be quite comprehensive. Um, Most of them are are capable of treating addiction as a whole, uh, regardless of what substance you are using. There are some programs that are out there that may be specific to certain substance use disorders, but in general, most of the treatment centers that are licensed and accredited, they do tend to be broad in terms of their ability to treat substances as a whole. I would just like to add that while, while, you know, obviously addiction to different substances does take different forms and exhibit in different ways, treatment of like the underlying you know, issues that can lead to addiction is pretty much the same regardless of the substance. Yeah, that's a good point, Jeff. That's exactly right. Because when we, when we seek treatment, we're hopefully understanding um, or trying to obtain an understanding of the underlying problem that's led to our substance use disorder. And in, in essence, that that approach is what we're looking for, that understanding, the, the professional um, training that can address addiction as a whole uh, opposed to the substance as a as an individual um, unique thing, and I think Jeff, you, you explained that quite quite well. So at the beginning of treatment, um, I think depending on the addiction and the severity of the addiction, you may have to go through a detox process. Um, do all rehab facilities offer that detox services, or sometimes do you have to go to like two different places for that? Many, many places do offer that continuum detox being that medical treatment, which helps you uh, safely come off of substances that have pretty uh, significant withdrawal. Um, not all facilities have that component. 
Um, some facilities will help coordinate that for you, maybe with an affiliated facility, uh, treatment center. Yeah, so they're, they're both are both are out there. Can you kind of break down the differences between inpatient and outpatient rehab? Well, inpatient, as it sounds, it's, 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 it's where you stay at the treatment center and receive treatment. Outpatient is where you live at home or live in a structured environment and tend to receive treatment, um, you know, on a part-time basis. Um, part-time being, it can be like going on an outpatient doctor's visit or therapy visit, or you can go to like an intensive outpatient program, which is like nine or 12 hours during the week. And then you have these inpatient or residential programs, which you're staying there, you're eating there, you're um, attending your groups and therapies and your evaluations and assessments are all conducted um, while you're living within the facility. So depending on the needs of the individual, where they're at in their recovery, and um, you know, those two different venues or do two different structures exist. Okay, and are there certain people that like one would be a better option for? Does it depend on the severity of the addiction? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I, I'm gonna take a little step back and kind of give a little bit of an overview of how people are you know, assessed. We have this criteria and it's, it's been established by the American Society of Addiction Medicine. And that's kind of the um, criteria that's been standardized by both you know, healthcare uh, treatment centers and insurance companies as a way to help determine you know, what level of care a person would need. And that's really uh, determined by looking at six dimensions of an individual's life. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, laundry list them, but, you know, basically they look at, you know, how bad somebody is uh, intoxicated or, or what potential they have for, you know, significant withdrawal um, or if they have any other medical complications or significant psychiatric or mental health, emotional problems, you know, depending on all of those. And, you know, is there a high relapse potential or they don't have a place to stay? Well, then those people would be pointed more or more, better suited for an inpatient residential environment. Those people that might have other components intact, if they have a stable living environment, um, they, they're motivated to change, but they, they really um, are, are using a substance that doesn't have an acute life-threatening withdrawal, they might be able to um, commence treatment on an outpatient basis. So really depending on you know, the characteristics and dimensions these people are, um, are demonstrating or have, you know, they would be appropriately placed in, you know, an inpatient versus outpatient setting. And so I know some people would go for, you know, 30 days, some for 90 days. Um, how, how do you know how long you should stay in rehab? That's often best answered with the treatment team that helps establish your treatment plan. You know, I think a lot of people kind of see this whole uh, numerical thing and think that's going to, um, you know, be, you know, fixed in stone. But, you know, as pro professionals and as treatment providers, it's hard to determine um, how quickly or how well somebody's going to respond um, before they've entered treatment. So I think, you know, looking at a numerical value is, is okay, but keeping in mind that that's just a general frame of how long somebody's able to commit. Hopefully, you know, somebody understands that being in treatment or seeking treatment for a chronic illness 
that's going to be something that you're going to have to deal with and cope with for your entire life. So the longer um, you engage in something and solidify it, at least early on, that means longer time in treatment, the, the, the increased likelihood you're going to have for doing better once you leave. So, you know, I think sometimes people get fixed on, hey, how can I get, um, you know, the shortest amount of treatment? But I think then that speaks to, um, you know, being able to anticipate the future. Um, so the answer on how long you should be them, that's, that's usually determined by the treatment provider, the physicians, the therapists that are in the treatment center uh, who are able to look at your entire, um, entire life and then determine what treatment plan fits best for you and how long that will take to achieve. Sometimes you may initially start treatment under the impression that it's going to be a 30-day stay, and you may find out that you really do need more time you know, to work through things as you actually go through treatment. Yeah, that happens a lot. You know, people are often, I think, you know, it's hard, right, to go to treatment or to be separated from your family or your loved ones or your work, you know, and, and it can be a scary time. But uh, yeah, like you said, Jeff, once you're in it and you find out, hey, there's things progressing, I'm solving problems or I'm being enlightened about why I'm using in the first place. You know, I, I often see people be uh, a lot more motivated to actually stay longer because they're, they're accomplishing something. So if I was looking like at different options, different facilities, are there like certain types of treatments or therapies that I should look for or look into? I think we said in the beginning, we mentioned it somewhere like, you know, some sub substance abuse treatment centers or, or rehabs, um, you know, they focus strictly on substance abuse treatment. Um, some, you know, treat both underlying mental health conditions and substance abuse treatment. Then there's some treatment centers that focus just on mental health conditions. So I, you know, the first way I would look at it is what am I looking to achieve? So if somebody feels that they have you know, a combined, you know, depression and alcohol use disorder, I would definitely look into a, a treatment center that offers or focuses treatment on both, on both mental health conditions and substance use disorders. Then, you know, you want to look at probably, uh, definitely you want to see if, is this a accredited facility? Is this a licensed facility? Do they have, you know, the proper, um, you know, licensing to actually function and operate? And that can be found often on their websites or often if you make a call to them. You know, there are, um, you know, governing bodies, accrediting bodies like CARF and Joint Commission. Um, maybe the listener might not know these, but these are certain standards that treatment centers need to achieve. And I would want to know that my treatment center that I'm looking for has achieved these standards. Also, maybe looking on their website, checking out um, what are the credentials on some of the, the staff members? Are there licensed therapists? Uh, are they board certified physicians? And, you know, how, how are their reviews? Look at the reviews. What, what are patients saying about the treatment they've received? And are there good reviews for the most part? And um, speaking with other people, reputation is, is, is there for a reason. You know, a lot of times, you know, the, those, those places that have been around for a long time or that have catered to a lot of people and they've had good outcomes, people are going to talk about it. Then, you know, and again, this can keep going. There's, there's things you need to focus on if you are specifically dealing with depression or anxiety. Are there therapies like cognitive behavioral therapy or medication management? Or if you're dealing with trauma, um, are there things that focus on, uh, on those things? So 
you know, to answer your question in short, you know, you kind of want to match up what you're suffering with, what you're going through and um, look for that within that program. And often it takes that phone call and that uh, correspondence with them and, you know, asking that question directly to the program. Okay. So you can just pretty much call, you know, any facility and ask them these questions and get your answers. I would definitely, if I was seeking out a treatment center, I would want to talk with that treatment center and ask them, hey, you know, this is what I'm dealing with. Can you help guide me through this? Help me out, you know? And again, there are, I, I would, you know, I know we're speaking about, um, you know, going to treatment, but addictioncenter.com has a lot of information out there that actually uh, can help answer those questions and uh, help kind of provide characteristics of treatment centers, like a comparative analysis by looking at different ones. So yeah, you know, looking um, online, talking to people, calling the treatment center directly, uh, definitely. So I want to talk about amenities a little bit because, you know, you see stuff like that all the time. Some places have, you know, horseback riding. Some even have like opportunities to swim with dolphins. You know, how are these things important in treatment? Like what are the benefits of those? I want to, you know, negate anybody that offers those type of treatments because, you know, there's therapeutic value in, in many different types of these therapies. But as long as they're therapeutic in nature, you know, when you're staying in a treatment center for a long period of time, obviously, you know, you're focusing on developing and achieving recovery and abstinence and working out and processing those underlying issues that have, you know, plagued someone. Um, if this happens also through these experiential type therapies and treatments, um, well, that, that that's there. There's a lot of evidence that that exists in in having these therapeutic. Now, amenities is different. You know, amenities. I look at it is the aesthetics and often other type of non therapeutic um, accommodations, and that really depends on the individual. I, I've met many patients and I've worked in many environments that. If you had to compare or look at them as purely full of amenities or not, I have had great outcomes with patients that don't have other, you know, non-therapeutic amenities and, and, and done really well because they focused on just the, the curriculum, they focused on their recovery, they focused on themselves. But as human beings, sometimes we do need to have other resources available to us depending on if we are engaged in business or our job requires us to be in contact with them. So having a facility that might allow, you know, computer time or personal devices while they're monitored or, or, or whatnot. So, you know, I think amenities really depends on, you know, who you are, what you need to accomplish when you're in there. And if, you, if they can keep you from being distracted from, you know, staying engaged in treatment and getting a good outcome, then, those amenities might be beneficial. Do you feel like there are any amenities that are generally more beneficial than others? Well, like I said, I, you know, I don't want to speak that might negate somebody's offerings, you know, uh, that a treatment center might, might, might have, but, um, definitely, you know, um, if there are some things that offer some sort of exercise or physical, um, you know, outlet, um, I think, you know, as we get beyond, um, you know, the, the, the detoxification phase, if somebody needs that and they're physically up to it, I think physical activity or something that helps promote physical well-being 
Um, it's it's very important part of our health in general, regardless if you're suffering from addiction or not. So um, that one thing I would say is very important. Your diet, nutrition, your overall physical health programs that allow you to engage in those type of things. Um, that's an important aspect that I think one would one should consider. So, you know, there's obviously treatment centers all over the country and even all over the world. How should somebody kind of decide on whether to attend a local rehab or, you know, travel to one? In the treatment industry, you know, sometimes you need to be, uh, we see that sometimes patients need to be away from the environment that they're using within. You know, I think that's that's a big factor. You know, a, a local treatment center might be good um, in terms of its proximity, but sometimes that could be a temptation or a distraction because it's too close to home. It's too close to the the people that, you, you know, someone was involved with, you know, in terms of using or the psychological proximity of, you know, the trigger or the temptation of their drug dealer or their supplier. So, um in those situations, it might be better to, to, to move yourself from the, the environment and, and seek treatment um, further away, you know, or, you know, being local, um, if, if that's not the situation, because, you know, you have a secure environment, you are engaged in certain, um, you know, support groups, but you, you know, had a shorter relapse and you have other things that are intact or you have other obligations that might not allow you to travel, um, then local treatment programs might be better, you know, if you have that structure in place. You know, sometimes, you know, working working individuals who uh, have families, um, have commitments, they're there, but want treatment might not be able to travel. And, uh, you know, local treatment's an option for that. So it really depends on your, you know, your individual situation and condition. Um, you know, if you should travel further away. And, and, and let's be frank, also financially, you know, um, if you have health insurance, you know, depending on often which treatment center accepts your insurance uh, or cost if you're a private pay. I mean, these are practical things that people consider and often guide them. You know, when you're comparing two things that might be similar, hey, which one is going to be financially less of a burden? So, you know, those practical things, all of them make a difference. And so how do you find out what insurance might cover or, you know, what might need to be paid out of pocket? I often would insist that somebody speaks to their insurance company and the treatment center both, you know, um, just so they're getting um, a, uh, a comprehensive picture. You know, um, looking at your benefits, speaking to insurance company and asking them, hey, you know, um, what will I what will be covered? What will be my responsibility? Um, you know, what if I choose an out-of-network program versus an in-network program? Again, depending on what insurance benefits and um, that an individual has. And then also posing those same questions to the, the, the treatment center. Uh, what's covered? You know, what are things that I would have to pay out of my pocket? You know, are my medications covered if I want to buy cigarettes, if I want to, I mean, all of these different things. If I have urine lab screens, um, is that going to come out of a different place? I mean, so it's it's hard, I know, as all of us, we've had to seek health care, you know, and then we get bills after the fact. And we're like, where did this come from? Why did this happen? Uh, who's sending me this? And, uh, you know, when we're in desperate need of 
you know, we don't always have an opportunity to, um, to ask these questions. So sometimes this needs to be vetted for us by somebody else, a loved one, um, somebody who, uh, a spouse, somebody who's, you know, maybe the, the, the person whose insurance it, um, we're covered under, you know, can ask these questions for us. But the, the key thing is, is trying to get as much information up front so you're not, you know, taken by surprise or, um, and it, it's sad that we have to think about costs when we're talking about life or death and healthcare. But, you know, it's the reality that we live in. Um, but these are questions that need to be posed to your insurance company or and the treatment center above. So I know you kind of, you know, talked about a couple things earlier, but could you kind of like summarize or give some questions to ask a treatment center, you know, some ways to determine if a place is like a good treatment center? Are there questions that you should ask, things you should look for? Yeah, I think we kind of went over it a little bit, you know, really, you know, are they licensed? their certifications, um, how often are they seen, are, what's the credentials of the therapists and the doctors and the nurses and the people that are going to be caring for them? Um, are there people from, you know, multiple disciplines? Like, you know, are there social workers? Are there nurses? Are there um, physicians? Are there psychiatrists that are on board? What's the outcomes you know, um, hopefully a facility is able to provide that type of data on uh, how long people stay sober once they leave their facilities. You know, um, these are real important questions that I would have, you know, um, and, and also questions about if I need to come back, what happens? If I relapse, what happens? Um, and after completing, is there an alumni program? Do they stay in contact with you? And, um, so there's multiple things that you need to look at and, and, and think about when, uh, you know, making that decision. But definitely, um, you know, the ones I just mentioned, those are those are things I would highlight. Are there any last bits of advice that you have for someone who, you know, is about to start their journey uh, through treatment? It can be a daunting task and experience just to even go to treatment. And, you know, often we, we seek treatment only when we've hit that unquote unquote rock bottom place. But, um, you know, making that first step is always uh, difficult, but it's needed. Um, there are resources out there. There are treatment centers out there. As we discussed now, there are multiple different things that people can look at when seeking a treatment center, but, you know, making that step and getting as informed as possible, because the more information, you know, the less intimidating sometimes it can be. You know, we can get caught up in our mind with all these, you know, unexpected things that can let our minds tell us, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go because of things. And we let them stay there because it's a form of resistance. But, um, you know, asking those questions, getting clarification, looking online, making those calls, um, you know, speaking to other people, it's, it's really important because the more information we have. Uh, the better. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thankfully, you know, we live in a time where you can go online and do research, you can pick up the phone and call and, you know, you can get your questions answered. Um, you can always go to addictioncenter.com, like Dr. Dr. Bot said, um, for a ton of information on treatment options. And don't forget to check out some other podcast episodes, which are also always available on Addiction Center. And thank you to everyone who's listened to another episode of Straight Talk with the Doc.